Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball Podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. And today, I am joined by author and military veteran, John Davis. John grew up in Iowa, joined the Army after falling out of community college, did multiple combat tours with the 101st Airborne, was a leader, and he started writing for and coaching student veterans while working at the VA. So we're going to be talking to him about his story and about the military life. So, John, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk. Well, why don't you start off just by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm working right now as a veteran advocate and writer. Actually, I'm currently living in the Dominican Republic, and I'm working on projects on connecting people with PTSD to nature. I've uh, spoken with Congress, spoken to Congress about legislative issues affecting student veterans. Uh, I am, my claim to fame is I'm the most tattooed person with a Harvard degree. And I travel, I volunteer, um, you know, I make my life to help veterans, especially uh, student veterans, because that's kind of where I got into veteran advocacy. So that's kind of my lane of attack with helping, you know, the veteran community. And so for those who are un, unfamiliar with the military or a veter, veteran advocate, kind of explain what that is and, and what your role is. Well, I started working for the VA um, and my role was to assist student veterans during their education. And it was while I was going to school as well. And it's always kind of true that those closest to problems are best suited to solve them. So I had about 20 student veterans uh, initially that I worked with, and I could kind of see some of the mistakes they were making in college. And that led to me creating sort of a checklist that was, here's John's, you know, steps to being successful in college. And eventually those checklists morphed into a book. And then that book I self-published on Amazon. And a year later, or, you know, a few months later, I was contacted by a publisher who wanted to do a second edition of it. And I hadn't really ever thought of myself as a writer before then. I liked working directly with veterans. I like coaching. I love the kind of one-on-one interaction, but I wanted to be able to impact more veterans. So I am now publishing a second edition of my book, which is called Combat to College and writing for a few different military publications. And most of my writing involves connecting veterans to different types of therapy. So right now, uh, I'm doing a lot of work in nature therapy, but a big, a big goal of mine is to kind of get veterans a little bit away from the over-reliance on medication and towards different forms of therapy that I think will be more beneficial for long-term happiness, success, and better dealing with PTSD. Well, before we get into your book, let's talk about how you joined the Army. I know that you joined when you failed out of community college, but a lot of people fail out of things, but they don't join the Army. So so let's talk about how you led up to that decision. That's a big decision. 
I was, you know, after you graduate high school, you kind of have three options or three normal options. You can do the workforce, the military, or college. And I was thinking about joining the military out of high school. And I promised my my mother, actually, that I would do uh, do college first. And I initially just didn't have the maturity to be a successful college student. I mean, at 18, 19, 20, I was more interested in alcohol and chasing girls than actually going to class. And that, that showed in, you know, in my classwork. And after a few semesters, I just couldn't really take watching the news about Afghanistan and Iraq all the time. And then finally I saw a headline that was, uh, someone from my home state of Iowa, who was my exact age, had died in Afghanistan. And I was, you know, going to college, drinking, skipping class, and I kind of had a pain of guilt. And that that day I went down and I talked to every branch of the military and I said, I want to go to Afghanistan. And the army was the only one that said, if you join, if you join today, we're, we're sending you, you know, you'll be straight there. And then three months later, I found myself in Afghanistan, kind of over my head at first, but after a while, I figured it out. Well, let's talk about how to find, for veterans listening, give them some tips on how to find their identity post-service. Your identity post-service is kind of something you have to forge brand new because the person that comes out of the military is never the same person that went in. The person I was before the military would be an entire stranger to me now. And the military sends you on kind of a journey of depersonalization. And it's not like a malicious thing. It's just the nature of the beast. You, you know, you all shave your head, you all wear the same clothes. My first few, you know, months of basic training that I was called 308, not my name. And nobody called me by my first name for, you know, probably the next 10 years while I was in the military was you know, Private Davis and Sergeant Davis and so on. So when you get out of the military, really your first mission is to find a new, is to refine your identity and refine your other, refine your purpose in life. The military is such a communal place and the civilian world is getting more and more individualized. So kind of jumping from that community identity of the military into the individual identity that's prevalent in uh in our in our society today and especially with the big increase in social media and things like that is where a lot of veterans run into problems because you get out and you just don't know who you are and a lot of veterans kind of stay in a halfway place where they feel like you know they're still in the military it's it, but they're not really in civilian life like it's it's kind of an awkward thing you feel like a stranger even in your own hometown when i went back to iowa I had, you know, a really hard time feeling like feeling like I fit in, even the people I had knew, because I had just lived this entirely different life than them over the course of the last 10 years. Well, you, you kind of touched on the, the civilian military gap. So talk about what what can be done about about the civilian military gap. I think that's that's the the biggest problem kind of facing the military today is this big gap between civilian and military populations. And that kind of gives the background, um, you know, about 80% of the military comes from military families. So, you know, people, it's a kind of a family business, like a lot of other jobs are as well. 
but um so this 80 percent you know 80 the, i think the statistic is 80 percent of the military reports having a close family members that serve like a parent so then the military kind of becomes its own culture that are that's separate from the military we live in our own bases you know the the small percentage of people continues to deploy over and over again and today the smallest amount of people have a personal connection to the military especially with only one percent of a population serving there are plenty of people that don't know any veterans and the only kind of veteran uh information you get is from the news or hollywood and of course hollywood tends to be a little dramatic and if it's up to them they're portraying veterans as you know, broken PTS, PTSD, alcoholics, or or something like that. So the gap has really grown uh, over the course of my lifetime, which is kind of interesting that the military has drifted further away from the civilian population, even while fighting 20 years of war. There's an interesting statistic in 2018, you know, 40% of Americans had no idea we're even still at war with, you know, in Afghanistan. Well, let's talk about PSD. TD, because you talked about that and just kind of uh, give us your opinion, but because I know you do work with that, just kind of uh, share your light and on it. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the, uh, the kind of sad thing with the military is we, we kill ourselves a lot more than the enemy kills us. The, you know, the battles veterans, really the battles everyone fights and their minds are, are often the hardest. And, PTSD has recently kind of morphed into uh, kind of an umbrella term that means everything and anything, especially in the last few years. Uh, you know, there's veterans who are missing both of their legs that, you know, share the same PTSD diagnosis as, you know, a college student who got an F on a paper or something like that. But uh, kind of the, the battle for PTSD is something that's just an ongoing war in the military. And it's something that has to be dealt with. It's not something that can be avoided. I think a lot of veterans tend to, you know, instead of confronting it, they tend to avoid it or jam it down or try and forget about it. But really what needs to be done is veterans need to, who have been through serious trauma, especially combat, you have to be, you have to kind of revisit that in order to get over it. Well, let's talk about living abroad and traveling. How is living abroad and traveling different than the United States? Because I know you've probably seen a good portion of the world being in the military. Yeah, the, um, you know, one thing I really encourage veterans to do is travel. And I've written some articles about, you know, how veterans need to travel on my website, which is johnhdaviswriter.com. But the, you really find yourself a lot through traveling, I feel like, and more and more veterans are living outside the United States. There's, you kind of get out of the military, especially now, you know, in the, in the past few years, and you find yourself in a country that feels sort of artificially divided. And especially after, you know, operating on a team for so long and being part of something greater than yourself, it's really hard to come into kind of a, um, kind of divided political cultural where we have and there's other benefits to living abroad as well aside from just kind of the uh occasional negativity and in the american landscape is 
obviously your benefits go a lot further somewhere like I am in the Dominican Republic than, you know, even in Kansas or New York City or anywhere like that. Especially if you're a veteran and you do, uh, you know, do you get your retirement? It's tough to live in the United States. You're going to have to pick up another job. But if you come down here to the Dominican Republic, where 20,000 veterans live, and we even have veteran healthcare services here, and you can go to counseling and things like that, uh, it's, you know, for me, it's been great to kind of connect with, connect with nature, to get away from negativity and to find myself. So I think that living abroad is something that more and more people are going to start doing, especially with uh, the big advance in remote work. Like all my work I do remotely, so I can pretty much do it from anywhere, which gives me a level of freedom that I didn't have in the military. In the military, they they tell you where you're going, they tell you how long you're going to go, they tell you what to pack, and they don't send you to, you know, great vacation destinations. I don't think uh, Afghanistan's on anyone's uh, beach destination list or anything like that. So getting to pick where I went really gave me a sense of freedom that I, I lacked in the military. Well, tell us about your book. Let's talk about it and tell listeners what they can expect when they read it and where to pick it up. So you can get it. It's on, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all of the major booksellers. It's called Combat to College. And I wrote it because that it's ideally designed for veterans in their first year of college, because that first year of school is so important. I mean, momentum really matters in life, I feel like, but on the battlefield in college, momentum is what is what you need to get ahead and veterans that make it through their first year of college are more likely to make it to graduation so i wanted to give them a tool of you know tips and tricks and a guide and something that's relatable and kind of funny you know i tell stories about how you know i i couldn't i don't even think i could talk an entire sentence without cursing when i first got out of the military so I'm sitting in the college classroom. The professor asked me, like, hey, you know, John, can you stay after class? And they say, you got to watch the language, you know. And I didn't even realize that I had been cursing. So there's a lot of cultural stuff that veterans get used to in the military that is just sort of a no-go in the civilian world. And so many veterans, their first stop when they got in the military is college because that's why a lot of veterans join is to get the college benefits. And you have that opportunity to go to school, um, you know, on your GI Bill. And I wanted to kind of meet veterans where they're at. And veterans are in college when they're transitioning out of the military. But it's such a big transition because if you think about it, you're usually moving across the country, you're getting out of the military, and you're starting college. So kind of like big three things, all while trying to rediscover your personal identity. And college provides just this excellent bridge between the military and civilian worlds. because, But it's easy to fall off that bridge if you don't you know, if you don't get some momentum. And for a lot of veterans, they struggle to fit in in college. I felt like I was kind of like, uh, you know, an adult surrounded by children when, you know, my first my first year I sat in there, I have a beard, I'm covered in tattoos, and everyone else is fresh out of high school. So I really kind of struggled with figuring out what I was doing there um, and for what. And then, uh, you know, your success or failure in college really has a big impact on your life and then there's other factors as well that why i wrote the book is one it's kind of i guess it seems kind of obvious to think about it but people with college degrees kill themselves less so basically the more educated are the the smaller risk 
that you have for, for suicide. So I was like, okay, it's not as easy as you can just hand veterans college degrees and they'll be less likely to kill themselves. But the more it's the more veterans that get degrees, the more successful they're, they're going to be in life, which obviously is going to lessen their risk for even PTSD, suicide and other negative things associated with the veteran community. Well, you said John H. Davis writer.com give out any yep. social media con contacts or any, any other thing that you have, or maybe even veterans listening can contact you for your services. Yeah. I'm on uh, best way to my website, John H. Davis writer.com. And then uh, I'm on Instagram, uh, John H. Davis writer. And I have um, a coaching method that's free for student veterans on um, that I developed uh when I was a graduate school at Harvard, that's free for um, free for veterans. You can go in there and get it. I also have a student veteran semester journal uh, on my website, and that basically takes you through a 16 week semester and it provides a schedule, provides budgeting, because I know that, you know, from listening to your podcast that your economic health really plays a lot into, you know, your mental and your social health and your social health and everything like that. So uh, it covers a lot of those things and gives you weekly schedules, class stuff, tips, tricks, motivation, um, kind of for people who, you know, just want a guide to to make it through the first semester as well, kind of a companion for the book. And then other, I have my blog on there where I, where I write, you know, everything about the one year anniversary from Afghanistan to uh, relationships and things like that. Okay. So we'll close this out with the final thoughts, maybe something that I failed to touch on that you would like to talk about or just any final thoughts that you might have for um, civilians or the military. Yeah, the last um, one thing that I know you mentioned I didn't really get to is how to fix the civilian military gap, because I guess <laughs> there's no point in just, you know, it's easy to talk about problems and not present uh, many solutions. And I think that one uh, one start to fix it is veterans have to be better about telling their stories, about connecting with civilian people. A lot of veterans have the idea that, oh, I don't want to talk about my service. Um, you know, I'll kind of leave that there, but that leaves us kind of separate, more separate from the public. So there's resources where you can tell your story. Um, you know, you can do it, uh, over Zoom. There's plenty of places that do that for you. Or just tell it to your neighbors, to your friends, to your family. Let them know who you are. Um, another thing that I think should be done, kind of, which is obviously beyond uh, my current capabilities, is that I think that education should have more connection to the military. I think that students in America, when they're growing up, should take trips to military bases and they should see American service members in action and they should, you know, learn about fitness and technology and first aid and things like that uh, from from people that are that are doing the work and civilians also need to be comfortable in and talking about the military and questioning the military because you know questioning the military's use isn't necessarily patriotic i think there's too much of a tendency to kind of for civilians to lean on oh we'll just look to congress or the government for that well you know thomas jefferson said people have two enemies uh politicians and criminals and i think sometimes that's true so I think that people should be, you know, more actively involved with with the nation's military and not only see them uh, at halftime of football games or at holidays, but actually be more involved. But the 
it's important for the veteran community to tell our stories and take the first step because civilians aren't really sure how to talk to the military or, um, you know, kind of more hesitant to take the first step. Well said, ladies and gentlemen, John H. Davis com. Be sure to check out that website. And if you know of any veterans that can use this episode and use this information for somebody that's about to join or in the military, please be sure to share it to them. Follow, rate, review this episode after listening. John, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story. And we thank you for your service. Thanks. Thank you so much, Curtis. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.